Hello and welcome. You are listening to Radio Maria, and this is our hour of catechesis. Today we have the great honor and privilege of hearing from Father Vlad, and、um, I have the honor and privilege of seeing Father Vlad、um, through my、lucky. computer screen. And、um, you'll have to remind me what it was that、um, we spoke about last week because it slipped my mind. I think it was about faith. Am I right? Yeah. And we were focusing、yes, on a specific all, all aspect been, of faith. Yeah, we last couple of weeks, and we continue with faith、mm-hmm. uh, because faith is quite a complex word. As you know, faith isn't a verb. You can't faith anything. The verb that goes with faith is believing, and so we saw some time ago. Faith as perception. You know, I believe you're human. I believe that's a cloud.、Uh, I trust my senses. That. What I see is there. Then I said it's also values. I believe in friendship. I believe in exercise. I believe in、uh, eating good food. I believe in going to bed early. You can always check out those beliefs by actually watching a person's actions.、Mm-hmm. And then we saw last week believing in God. If you believe in somebody, you be, you be and you live in that person. You commit yourself to.、Them. So believing in God isn't just saying God is out there, around, is real. But I commit myself to God. I live with God, and we saw what that meant last week.、Mm. Uh, and this week I move on to believing as accepting truth. Remember the famous quote by Pilate: "What is truth?" said Pontius Pilate,、mm-hmm. and then wait for an answer. <laughs> My answer, my answer is, would have been, my truth is my perception through my ears, eyes, nose, hands, and even tongue of reality, the facts that are there, the way I see, the way I perceive, what is there. If something is true, it is real. Mind you, what is real and therefore what is true varies. It's.、Uh, Dynamic is provisional. If you were in Switzerland sixty-six million years ago, you would have been on a flat plane. Then gradually, the tectonic plates, African and European, started moving and crunched up the earth, the skin of the earth, into what we have the Alps. Sixty years ago, I had a full head of hair. Now I'm delightfully bald. So what is true at one moment may not be true in the future. That's worth bearing in mind. Never judge a person by what you remember of that person a few years ago. People get better. People get worse. People get thinner. People get、uh, fatter. People lose their faith. People gain their faith. So it's something which is moving on. What I see, what I read, gets me towards the truth. Especially when I read the Bible and Revelation. What God has told us about reality is not just mere hearsay. The Word of God became human and told us all sorts of things, which are as real as you having a hand in front of your face. That is truth. Now, how do I arrive at my truth? 
how do I arrive at proof, the cogency of evidence that compels my mind to accept a truth or a fact? Well, if we look again, as I always do, across the pies of life, the physical, intellectual, emotional and spiritual dimensions of my life. The physical, research, open a door to see what's inside the room. I spent a postgraduate year at Imperial College finding out the truth about steel tubes filled with concrete that might have been used to hold up the road at Spaghetti Junction on the M6. Medical checkups discover the truth about your health, you hope. Cogent evidence of their faith, their conviction, was there in the martyrs' actions. They were so confident, absolutely certain, that after death there is life, that they were quite happy to be killed. I have that same conviction. I'm absolutely convinced that death is birth into real reality, divine reality, eternity. For me as an engineer, there is a compelling evidence of a magnificent intellect and imagination directing evolution from the planet Earth's almost entirely molten magma 4.5 billion years ago to where we are now. Over the course of a few hundred million years, the planet began to cool and oceans of liquid water formed. And here we are now with your ear, your eye, your brain, our female ova and male sperm taking shape. How was that? What is the truth of that? I say the divine intellect somehow directed these things so that from that molten mess you could have molecules which would form into the things that we are as we are. That you divided male and female and into one you had sperm and into the other you had over. I mean, they're brilliant. I can't wait to speak to God and just realize how thick I am compared to his intelligence and his imagination. I'm just looking at a series of photographs sharing it with a friend of mine of nature, beautiful birds, a variety. God loves variety. That's why we're all different human beings. But how many different varieties of birds and bees and everything else there is? There must be a cause behind the effects. That's how you arrive at that conviction. The cause is the creator God constantly creating the word restructuring molecules to their new forms of vital life, indeed the whole of Earth's life. Reading, studying, revelation, scripture and tradition. Getting to know the truth about reality. The reality of God took millennia, a bit like our knowledge of planet Mars. Remember in the Old Testament, the chosen people gradually realized that there was one creator God, but knew little about that divinity. Then Jesus arrived and eventually after his resurrection, his followers realized that he was God, translated into our human vernacular. However, it is impossible to arrive at the certainty of the details of his life. For, his, for example, his contact with the Samaritans. In Matthew 10.5, we read that Jesus went out, the 12 apostles, with their instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans. Yet in John's Gospel, we have the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. 
one of the most iconic encounters in the Bible, as John puts it. I suspect this was, in fact, Christ present in his disciples, reaching out to the Samaritans after Pentecost. Whatever the details of his life, the truth is what he taught, that he was tortured to and rose to new resurrected life. Then thanks to Pentecost and the descent of the Holy Spirit, along came the church. And gradually, step by step, we discovered the fuller, the more focused truths, the deeper reality of God. God doesn't change, but our perception has. Remember the first creed that you were, had to say when you were baptized was simply, I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And gradually, as the church pondered it, prayed about it, got together, guided by the Holy Spirit, it gradually morphed into the Nicene Creed we have at Mass on Sundays. The First Council of Nicaea, 325, then Constantinople, 381, then Ephesus, 431, then Chalcedon, 451, the Second Constantinople, 553, the Third Council of Constantinople, 680-81, and the Second Council of Nicaea, 787, gradually revealed the truth that is God, the reality that is God, became perceptible, became understandable, became verbal, put into words. In 1014, the filioque, that the Holy Spirit comes from the Father and the Son, was added to the liturgical creed in the West. The Eastern Church didn't like that, but I'm absolutely certain that you know, the Holy Spirit comes from the I of the Father and the you of the Son, I and the you creating a we. Under communism, I have learned that to study theology, small groups of men would enter a pub with a large crowd as it went in, and while the others stayed on the ground floor drinking, make their way upstairs and there study theology. This I discovered because Monsignor Vladimir Bublik, who moderated my doctor doctoral thesis in the Latin, introduced me to Dr. Vladimir Svoboda, now one of my best friends in the UK. They had studied together while both were still in what is now Czechia. For them, and many people like them, the quest for theological truth was important enough to risk imprisonment. How about a bit of music while you think about that and perhaps formulate a question? Yes, and I'm going to play us a little bit of Mozart today, as um, Father Vlad and I agreed one can never go wrong with Mozart. This is Symphony Number no. 6 in F major, the Andante movement.
very good evening if you've just started listening to us. This is Radio Maria. We've had the um, pleasure of having Father Vlad speak to us about his um, pies of life, the physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. And today we're talking about faith and um, carrying on from a series of different aspects of faith. A very interesting and very uh, nuanced subject. Yeah. When we're thinking of truth, it's always perfect, well, important to bear in mind the source of the information. I have total trust in what Jesus Christ has told us. I have total trust in the dogma that the church teaches. But what about the media? What about Ukraine? What about the police, our politicians? Can you trust them? How far can you trust them? Often you have to verify to get different sources of information to see if they agree on what is being said. As we know, sport is a metaphor for life. And so like great footballers, Pele, Lionel, Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, George Best, have learned how to trick their opponents into the way they were going to move forward. The Allies did something similar. The Allies tricked the Nazis into the D-Day landing beaches. The deception worked, thank God. I was in Wexford preaching a retreat in its seminary where the Irish army officers acting in the film Saving Private Line were billeted while Steven Stilberg was filming the D-Day landings on the nearby beaches. He used just six landing craft, which thanks to the magic of photography te technology, appeared as hundreds on our screens. The truth of films and so much of art, like artificial stone and even marble, is fascinating. Mind you, actually used people who'd lost their limbs, dressed them up as soldiers and had them floating around in the sea to make it really realistic. Emotional truth. Talk with experts. Think about what is being said. Meditation. Imagine the gospel scenes. Get to know the reality of Jesus. Use your intuition. It can be as honest as years of talk. A great friend of mine, Robert, now with God, sent by his commanding officers to invite some women soldiers to dance in Germany in 1946, told me that as he walked into the room where the women were, he looked at Rita and said, she will be my wife. And for over 60 years, until Rita died, they were a hugely happily married couple. The truth, the reality of their love was palpable. He'd sensed it intuitively. So sometimes he was absolutely right. Some people get it wrong. But I always remember when people say, oh, you can't trust intuition. I said, well, I remember, you know, Robert and Rita. Uh, I took his funeral in 2018, age 91. He had experienced the reality, the truth of their love at first sight. Emotions have a profound influence on the perception of truth, the positive and the negative values of our morality. How many folk as they pass through their puberty change their attitude to sex and the church's teaching on sex? What had been bad is now clearly to them rather good. Maybe they change their view, the truth again, as they mature and start to have their own children. 
reality is one thing. Our perception of it, the truth we have about it, is on the move, is accelerating. And that's why it's worth bearing that in mind, and that's why I wrote the book I wrote. Prayer. God is everywhere like radio waves. But though you're surrounded by radio waves, unless you switch on your phone or the radio, you can't pick them up. Prayer is simply switching on the radio and listening to God's presence. Right, I experienced the magic. Here are where I am. I'm speaking in London, transmission from Cambridge, and you, wherever you are, are picking up my thoughts through my words, through that technological wonder there are radio waves. So learn to pick up God's presence as you walk down the street, as you get out of bed, as you go to sleep, God is with you. Sense that. That truth is there, that reality is there. But unless you realize it, it doesn't help you. I remember many years ago, my sister put a five pound note in my jeans before I left for a retreat. And because I had to hitchhike back as the guy who drove me up there in his car broke down. I arrived very home, uh, late, very late at home. And Yarmila, my sister and my mum were there. And Yarmila said, what happened to you? And I said, well, I had to hitchhike. And she said, well, why did you come by train? I said, how do you know I didn't have the money? Yes, you have, look at your backside pocket. And sure enough, the money was there. She'd slipped it in while giving me a farewell hug. But I didn't know it was there. And although it was separated from me by one layer of denim and one layer of wide fronts, it didn't do me any good. So God is with us, but he doesn't force himself onto us. Look inside your backside pocket and see if you've got what you've got there. Look inside your heart and discover God. Lord, that I may see. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe you are here, that you see me and you hear me. May I be generous enough and courageous enough to do your will. Domine ut videam, Lord that I may see, sticks in my mind that wonderful request of Bartimaeus. I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, as I see things. And unless I'm under oath, I often do not tell the whole truth. Would you? If someone asks you, how do I look? What do you think of my boyfriend, girlfriend? What do you think of my dress? What would you say, the full truth? Or a partial truth? Like, that's interesting. Or, I'm sure she looks lovely in it, or whatever. It's impossible to tell the whole truth unless you're God, because we can't see reality 360 degrees in the round. But our truth is the best we can do if we're trying to communicate what we saw. The police know that when questioning the spectators of an accident, they will get a variety of truths. If all are identical, the police are pretty certain that they've all been told what to say. I read this story somewhere, and I think this story tells us about the different perceptions, the different truths of different people. A couple bought a donkey from the market. On the way home, a boy commented, very stupid, why neither of them rides on the donkey? 
Upon hearing that, the husband let the wife ride on the donkey. He walked beside her. Later, an old man saw it and commented, The husband is the head of the family. How can he let the wife ride the donkey while he walks? Hearing this, the wife quickly got down and let the husband ride on the donkey. Further on the way home, they met an old lady. She commented, How can the man ride on the donkey but let the wife walk? He is no gentleman. The wife thus quickly asked the wife to join him on the donkey. Then they met a young man who commented, Poor donkey, how can you hold up the weight of two persons? You're cruel. Hearing that, the husband and wife immediately climbed down and carried on it on their shoulders. Everybody had their own perception. What was true? What was right? How would you have done? Just think of what happens at home. Is it true you don't help with the washing up? And the tidying of your room? I ask no more questions on that at the moment because I'm trying to bring peace, not diversity, into the world. So, don't be bothered by what other people see and think. If your conscience is clear, move on. Different people have different perceptions. C'est la vie. A teacher asks a boy, Now, if I give you one apple, and one apple, and one more apple, how many apples will you have? Brian answers immediately, four. The teacher was aghast. How, Brian, how? She demanded in a little stirred and irritated voice. In a voice that was low and hesitating, young Brian replied, because I already have one in my bag. Lesson, when someone gives you an answer that is different from what you're expecting, it is not necessarily their wrong. You have to ask to get the full picture. Don't jump to conclusions. I remember a couple admitting how over Sunday lunch they decided they had to move. This way, way, way go years ago when moving was quite cheap, not like now. Their current home felt unsatisfactory. While I do the washing up, you go and write what our new home should be like. Half an hour later, the wife came into the room read what the husband had written and said, but darling, you have just described our home. Familiarity had generated contempt. This can happen so easily. The person next to you may be just as beautiful as they were, but unless you stir up your love, you may not see them, not have the truth that is there. Your emotion, emotions your feelings, your moods, influence your truth. Bear that in mind. To seek the truth in the S-O-N, in ourself, others and nature, is an ongoing work in hand. Many of our truths are provisional, waiting to be improved. I know I do not know myself very well. I know that it is impossible to get to know anyone, including above God, fully. We can only see them as we are able to see them. And we'll see that on the 17th of February when we bring you the land of the heart model I have. When I was at school in the 50s, we were taught and an examination had to state that due to its geology, while England had plenty of coal, there was no oil or gas in or around the UK. In all innocence, 
we were taught a lie. And I had to reduce that lie in an exam or, or I would have failed. Had I said, actually, I know there is oil. That wasn't the official truth. Nothing new. It was only in 1628 that William Harvey discovered the circulation of the blood in our bodies. It had always been there, but the fact, that truth, had lain dormant. Then there is dark matter and dark energy. The first real evidence for dark matter came in 1933, when Caltech's Fritz Zwicky used Mount Wilson Observatory to measure the visible mass of a cluster of galaxies and found that it was much too small to prevent the galaxies from escaping the gravitational pull of the cluster. Dark energy was discovered only in 1998. It had always been there, but we did not know the truth. Who knows what is still in the universe that as yet we do know nothing about? Perhaps a bit of music? Yes, and this time we're going to be listening to Scarlatti, and it is played by the amazing pianist whose name is rather difficult to pronounce, Ivo Pogorelic. You could probably say it much better than me, couldn't you, yeah. Father Vlad? Probably not. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Thank you. 
very warm welcome to all our listeners. You're listening to Radio Maria, and this is our hour of catechesis with Father Vlad. Father Vlad, over to you again. Okay. Yes, we're talking about what is true. Truth is perception of reality, of whether things are there or not, but also the truth of morality, what is good and what is bad. And that has evolved hugely. For years, slavery and torture, including the Inquisition, were perfectly okay, deemed a good thing. Usury, lending money on interest, was deemed evil and wasn't allowed to be done by Christians. The Jews had to do that. Corporal punishment, when I was young, was thought to be a wonderful thing. I got whacked very often because I was a naughty boy. Uh, but the teachers, including priests, did it because they believed it was a good thing for me. Death penalty was deemed a good thing, remember, if you're of a certain age. And now, of course, in England, it isn't. It still is. It just killed a person in, with a lethal infection and injection in uh, America. Uh, that's why we are in an accelerating world. What was considered to be bad may now be considered to be good. And you need to measure your truth against that of the revelation and the teaching of the church. Is it in line with what Jesus is saying? If it is, it's okay, it's good. If it's against it, then obviously whatever society might be saying, and we live in a less and less Christian society, materialistic, hedonistic, egocentric, and therefore very unhappy because these things which go against the teachings of Jesus and the church are destructive in the long run. We might see something about that a bit later on. In 1940 Spain, Hitler was deemed a very good thing. He was the savior of the Catholic Church. Thanks to his armaments, the communists that were torturing and killing Christians and Catholics lost the civil war. By 1945, as the reality, the truth of the Holocaust became evident, attitudes had begun for some to change. What had been seen as true was now deemed to be very much untrue. Archaeology changes our perception of the past. It is wise to admit that what we know, the truth of our history is provisional. We're constantly discovering new layers of reality. But truths taught by Jesus Christ are permanent. Their source is God. Some of the most important facts of life are summarized in the Beatitudes. Remember last Sunday we had the Beatitudes? In the order of service, it had happy arbor, which I refuse to use. Happy is a dreadful word to use in that context. It reminds me of the happy hour in a pub. I read it out as initially, blessed are, but then in my homily, I explained. See, the Greek word is makarios, which is more than blessed. It's more like, oh, the bliss of. So really, the AP attitude should be, oh, the bliss of those who are poor in spirit. People who recognize their own spiritual poverty, 
their need for God, for theirs is the kingdom, as they open their hearts through prayer to God. Oh, the bliss of those who mourn, people who repent and mourn for their sins, for they will be comforted as they enjoy forgiveness. Oh, the bliss of those who are meek, who want to own nothing, inherit everything there in art galleries and nature. I don't own a thing, but I can enjoy nature by walking over public land and going into art galleries where people pay a fortune for insurance. Oh, the bliss of those who hunger and thirst for righteousness to be united with God, for they will be satisfied. Oh, the bliss of those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Action, reaction, give, and gifts will be yours. Oh, the bliss of those who are pure in heart, free from evil in words, thoughts, and deeds, for they will see God. Oh, the bliss of those who are the peacemakers, the bringers of shalom, that joyful peace, for they will be called the children of God. Oh, the bliss of those who are persecuted because of righteousness, as Jesus himself, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, the bliss of those when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who went before them. Dare to be different, easier as you get older. That's one of the benefits of being ancient. I don't have to worry about what people think of me. I don't have to worry about their truth. As I said in a talk many years ago, where two people are in a room, there are actually six people in that room. There's me seeing me. There's me seeing you. There's you seeing you. There's you seeing me. That's four. And there's you seen by God. And there's me seen by God. That's six. And it's how God sees me. And God sees you. That matters. That is the truth that shapes your eternal destiny. You can have all sorts of people uh, advertising you as a wonderful person. Your PR could be fantastic. People might believe you as they believed the Brexit lies. And now we're suffering economically for those lies. The truth was not what was said. The truth was at that, at that time hidden. And here we are in contact with the reality. And we have our own truth. And the truth is inflation is high. Imports expensive. Our economy is the slowest. But the truth is God is with us. So it's okay. Living the Beatitudes helps you to avoid depression. See, depression is caused by a shortage of serotonin in the brain. But that's only the symptom. The cause is grief, often subconscious grief, caused by childhood trauma, abuse, emotional, physical, sexual, that's blocked away. The loss of nature's beauty, grieving when we lose love, status, control, 
finance, fitness, looks, and hope. Go back to the Beatitudes, concentrate on those. And if you are feeling depressed, you'll start feeling better. Certainly going into a bright room helps because a lot of depression is caused by low light. And even laughing, forced laughter. <laughs> if you do that long enough, you actually begin to feel better. The truth is there to be preached through whatever way. Junk values of materialism, self-centeredness and hedonism are like junk food, very unhealthy emotionally, spiritually. Talking of food, I've discovered that spaghetti bolognese does not come from Bologna. Tagliatelle, tortellini and lasagne, yes, but not spaghetti. Not many people know that. Maybe next time you're in a restaurant and somebody orders spaghetti bolognese, you can say, well, actually, that's not from, never came from Bologna. It's an invention of the international cuisine. Perceptions are provisional. What people believe depends on their standpoint, their education, their mood, and their assumptions. Standpoint. In the 1950s, congregations in Seville Cathedral would two or three times during High Mass see the clergy gather around the cardinal. They assumed it was some ritual, silent prayer. In fact, it was so the cardinal, who had prostate problems, could pass his pee into a bottle before continuing the celebration of Mass. I knew that because I met a priest who was part of that group of priests who used to do that. Fascinating, isn't it? You never know what you're seeing. Mood. Our emotions affect various areas of our lives, including our perception, our truth. When we have positive emotions, we are more likely to view the world around us in a positive light. On the other hand, when you're feeling low, our outlook on life is more likely to be pessimistic. You know, there's on a chessboard, there's white squares and red and black squares. You can concentrate on white or black, knowing the other one is there. And people ask me why I'm always cheerful. I have to say, I blame my prayer. Realizing that God is with me makes it hard for me to be pessimistic. When you're in a good mood, the world seems to be a better place in general. Even though you may tear your trouser leg, spill your coffee all over the kitchen table, or have to deal with a noisy neighbor. When you're happy, these minor daily problems don't really bother you. They're not a heavy truth, they're a light truth. Conversely, when you're feeling dejected or disappointed after some type of loss, each minor annoyance only adds to your pain. You find it difficult to look beyond what's right in front of you, even when you find yourself staring at the computer screen. Research has shown how happiness isn't just an emotional experience, but an emotion that shapes the way we see the world, our truth. Shall we have some music now as we come towards the final end? Yes, um, 
And um, now we're going to have a little bit more of the same music just because it's so beautiful. Here's Carletti once more. If you've just started listening, this is Radio Maria, and um, the music that you were just hearing, I'm going to try and pronounce uh, the pianist's name again, was Scarlatti, played by Ivo Pogorelic. Pogorelic, yep. Was that better, Father Vlad? Yeah, yes, not bad, not bad at all. All right. We actually have a caller who has who would like to say something. It's Anastasia. Hello, Anastasia. Good afternoon, Radio Maria. Father Glad. Hello, good afternoon. Hello. Good, Good afternoon, afternoon, Father Glad. You are so glad. You are so happy, Father. Your knowledge is amazing. You have definitely experienced the world, and you know so much. The value information. I have picked up so much to learn from you, Father. I want to thank Good. you. Big thank you. Big, big, big thank you. Thank did, you, thank you, thank you. That's you... one of the benefits of being ancient. You know? Oh, no, no, it's lovely. You're not the only one. I'm just behind you, Father. Not far off. Okay, I'm well, a granny. I'm, I'm a I... grandma. Are oh, you good for you. You don't sound like a grandma. 
I'm a grandmother, you know me, but I'm I'm very, very young in my heart. I live for today, you yeah, know yeah. me. I'm just like a butterfly. Yeah, yeah. I don't think right or left. I always get told yeah, yeah. off because I talk too much. Well, I'm like a grandfather because my granddaughter has got four children. So my oh, goddaughter, I mean, my, my, my goddaughter, <laughs> I remember being thrilled as my goddaughter pushed the pram round the park and I was with her. I thought, here I am, it's sort of three generations. Amazing. Of, it's amazing to see three generations. Four. Yeah. My, I have seen it with my mom. Mom is my mom is eighty-seven. Four. Oh, generations. she's even older than me. She's even four, older than me. Yes, Just three four, years older than me. Four generation. My my mom's of seeing four generations. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, fantastic. Yes, Good for yes. her. That's lovely. Thank you. Thank you for Anastasia. talking to me. Thank you, Father. God Thank you. bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Pray for prayer. us. Bye Pray bye. for the world. Thank Thanks, you. Anastasia. God bless. Bye-bye. Abby Maria. Goodbye. Lovely. <laughs> I think she just wanted to show her appreciation. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's lovely. It's, uh, and it's, it's, it's good for morale. Father, maybe yeah. I, I could put a question forward to you um, after listening God. to your talk. Maybe just to clarify that when you talk about um, these, how, you know, Switzerland thousands of years ago was, or millions of years ago was flat, and now it, we have the Alps there, and you talk about these changes and how something is true at one point and true at another point. Um, and then you also speak about the importance of revelation as a reference point. You're not... Um, saying that truth is relative are you or, or is that is there a way of thinking of truth that that it is relative there's objective truth which is really reality but when you perceive it mm -hmm. it becomes relative to your perception i mean the only one who's got the truth perfectly is god because he's in, in eternity and sees everything in 360 degrees, uh, seven days a week. So tr truth is relative. That's one of the problems. Um, that's why our political parties mm -hmm. each, be each believe that they are right at, of tackling a problem. And sometimes they may be. But I distinguish between truth and reality. I think that's, that's the important thing. Reality is one. Re reality isn't relative, but mm -hmm. Our perception of it is. It relates to our, as I said, to our mood, our standpoint, our education, how much we understand, uh, our, our prejudices. Um, typical examples I used was a car accident. Please come around and ask all the people who saw it, and everybody will give a different answer. Mm -hmm. Their truths are relative to their position. I see what you're saying. They're, you know. But you would, I'd imagine that, because some people use this phrase about truth being relative to uh, mean almost that there is no such thing as truth. Uh, I don't think that that's what you're saying, though. No, no, I'm saying reality is one. Mm -hmm. Perception of reality, what I call truth, varies. Yep. And that is relative. And the key thing is to try to discover, you know, if I've got a lump, that's a fact. If I don't know I've got it, I'm ignorant. If the doctor discovers it, he knows it. It was always there, but his perception is more accurate than mine. Mm -hmm. There's always good to ask yourself, you know, how do you see things? Could you see them differently? 
why do you see things differently? You know, same piece of meat uh, or vegetable, if you're hungry, is attractive. If you're seasick, it's horrible. Mm. It's relative to your state, relative to your position. I mean, if you hold your hand in front of you cupped, from my side, it's concave. From your side, it's convex. Yes. What is it? It's both. <laughs> but you have to get to see the other side to see the other person's view. Yeah. No, that's a very yeah. good example. That makes sense. But that's that's how I see it. Uh, and that's why there's so many disagreements and uh, arguments and uh, political parties and religions. You know, each each religion thinks they have of the truth. Well, they have, but whereas, you know, Jews accept there is God and absolutely tick that, they don't accept that God became human mm. as we accept. Yeah. Uh, the Protestants don't accept the seven sacraments. There are, but they, they don't accept two. Mm -hmm. So the reality is a reality which God has revealed and our task is one of our tasks as human beings is to study, is to question, is to try to achieve more accurate grasp of the truth as it really is, as much as we know about it now. And it, as I said, it varies, you know, uh, my strength now isn't what it used to be. Um, some people are healthy and they get suddenly ill. A very good friend of mine, one of my past pupils, just an operation on cancer. Well, he, you know, two years ago, he was very healthy. Now he's a sick man. What is true? It was, he was healthy. Now he isn't healthy. The truth now is different. I think one of the things that your, one of your illustrations was helpful for me with was when you talked about the little boy who is, um, has the apple in his back pocket and, um, yeah. and how he was being completely truthful in, in the, most earnest of ways when his teacher said if you have an apple and then you uh, if i give you an apple and another apple and another apple how many do you have and he said four <laughs> so, and what i take away from that is just the importance of of asking when somebody says something different to you and listening to what to what they have to say trying to get the whole picture absolutely mm. getting the context yeah. and um, you know and of course one thing is seeing the truth and the other is telling the truth so you don't have to tell the whole truth to everybody all the time. Uh, you can keep secrets. In fact, you should keep secrets as long as they're not uh, secrets about a reality that is a crime. So child abuse, for example, you, you must tell people mm -hmm. you can't keep that hidden. But you, just, you can keep secrets. Uh, you don't have to tell everybody everything all the time. Uh, in fact, one of the best things of being me is that people know that I don't talk. So it's great to tell they so they tell me many things. Mm. So it's great to be, you know, as they say, it's you have two ears and one mouth, use them in proportion. Listen a lot and speak a little. I have an uncle who if you if you're gonna tell him a secret, if you say to him, I'm gonna tell you something, but I don't want you to tell anyone else, he'll say, Well then don't tell me. And usually <laughs> the people say, Fine, I'll tell you anyway. I don't mind. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> he knows he can't keep a secret. Yep. So he never makes the promise. Father Vlad, it's it's coming to the end of, of our yep. hour, sadly. Lovely. Next week, I'll be de dealing with faith and science. Okay. Oh, I'm sure that's going to be an interesting one. Um, and hopefully we'll get some some callers for that. Uh, start thinking about it. Yes, you've got a whole week to think questions. <laughs> Father Vlad, would you end with a prayer for us, please? Yes. Loving God. You are the fullness of truth. May our staying close to you, opening our hearts to you, help us to discover the truth that is more accurate to yours, that we may be more objective and help other people go deeper and have their lives enriched by all that beauty in the creation that is there. For truly, you are a wonderful creator. Thank you. And I do this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.